Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. My name is 2KJ. Welcome back to the 2KJ Podcast. And today I have a very special guest with me. My friend Matt is here. Matt, how you doing? Good. How are you? It's great. It's great to have you here, man. Thank you. So we had met uh, in uh, college through Philosophy Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was the president at the time, and you were one of the smartest people that consistently came every week. I appreciate that, brother. Like, your club, honestly, was the highlight of my week all the time. Like, every single week I would be tired, like, really down from, like, classes and everything. But that was the highlight of every part of my week because you would get to sit and talk to some really, really amazing people about some of the most, like, basic philosophical thoughts. But still, a lot of times it would it would just tree off into something even deeper. Like these conversations were just so valuable, you know? Yeah. I, one of the teachers that I had there at Purdue, uh, he told me that the nice thing about philosophy is you never get to the end of it. So there's always more to talk about. Always. Yeah. Uh, which is actually kind of what I wanted to talk about with you. Um, it's more political philosophy, but I knew that you had experience in the area, and I wanted specifically your take on the subject because I knew that you knew more than me about it. Um, specifically, the kind of intersection between m people that are too poor to afford for some sort of health insurance mm -hmm. and the disparate health outcomes for black women. Because um, a couple, I saw on Facebook a while ago that you were specifically talking about how do we take care of black women in the community. And I was thinking about how recently I had a friend who was black. She just had, she gave birth. She had a baby. She's doing very well. That's great. But um, I was getting worried like when it was coming up because I'm just like, I know that black women have the highest uh, fatality rates during pregnancy and giving birth. And I'm like, she better not fucking die. Right. And I was like, it's scary, that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And since then I've been like wondering, like, what do we do to take care of people like black women specifically without a single payer health out like option, like without like Medicare for all, right. what are the options to actively try to take care of black women's medical needs in a more serious way? What kind of, policies should we advocate for what kind of people should we vote for what can we do ourselves because i know that you worked in health insurance exactly and one of the things that i have noticed is a lot of times that individuals who are african-american descent females that sometimes they're not in the right type of plans that they should be maybe someone has taken advantage of them and told them that this is best or that is best but in most cases i I really wish I knew the answer to how what specific policies would be up for to actually make a change, a conducive change. But from where I sit, the only thing that I know to do for my profession is to just make sure that those that are usually the most able to be marginalized or forced to be marginalized, to make sure that they're taken care of and to make sure that those who have just told them, oh, this is just what you need. Just go do that. It's not always the best option. So, yeah. And I guess realistically, look, if I 
changed career paths and got into like finance or something made half a million dollars a year i could just pay for my friend's health insurance myself right but i don't really want it to be like the people i care about got theirs fuck everyone else i want everyone to ideally be taken care of yeah and i don't know of a large systemic way of changing things outside of medicare for all currently that could alleviate some of these issues that people face i mean there's how many millions of uninsured people in america it's ridiculous, honestly. And and it's so and it's not affordable. And unfortunately, and that's the one thing whenever I quote someone on a health insurance policy or a life insurance policy, it's and a lot of times what you want or what we would need to like sustain us isn't affordable because at that point we're sick. Yeah. So if you're already sick, that's the the price skyrockets and you're left with you're left in the dark. So especially if you're poor, a thirty percent of all the money that we spend on health care in our whole lives, thirty percent is when you're in the last three months of life. Wow, that's a lot of money to be spending to die. I know it's expensive as hell to die in America. Yeah, and if you don't have health insurance, this it seems like it's just going to create like an like a generational wealth dysfunction, like it like your dad or your mom dies, you don't have health insurance to cover all the costs of things and you inherit like the cost of their funeral when you yourself don't have health insurance either. Like it seems like there's all these problems that could be potentially alleviated if we can figure out a way to just take care of people's medical care. Because it seems like a lot of other countries have already done this. And I don't want to compare apples to oranges and say like, their economies are exactly like ours. Of course. So we should be able to do the same things that they do. I mean, ours is, ours is the largest in the world and China, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a giant Goliath to like, try to navigate in one direction, like pull him and like make it go in one direction. Yeah. That's really hard to control. And so I don't know if a single payer, like healthcare option is what we need. Like, I don't think we need like, the NHS that Britain has right. where they take care of everyone's medical costs. But I don't know what would be better. Like your time in the insurance field, what kind of insight did that give you into what we could possibly do with what we have now? Well, see, and that's unfortunately the way that I've seen Medicare run scares me about the concept of Medicare for all. Because there's still this, because, all right, Medicare is broken into four parts. I'm sure you're aware. The part A is where, like, your hospital costs. Your part B is your doctors. C is Medicare Advantage, which is a plan that you anybody could go into if they chose to. But nine times out of ten, what you're getting is an HMO. And it's difficult. Mm-hmm. But, and a lot of times, the PPO would be the best plan for somebody. And... Medicare Advantage is really, really an important aspect of it. And Part D is the, the uh, your prescription drug. So a lot of people, you get original Medicare and you get your prescription drug. And that essentially gives you your hospital, your doctor, and your Part D, your prescriptions. But from there, I'm not sure if that will if like the meta gaps and including every other aspect of medicare that that would be great for all americans like if every single person is getting this care or i'm not 
it's not even a guarantee that it's the best care either. So, and then you think about the cost. I, I couldn't imagine how we pay for it unless we stop, like we start using all the money that we use on war and just put it in an, into healthcare. Well, we're done with Afghanistan now. Well, so, ideally, we ha- should have some money that's floating around when we're spending what three million dollars a day there. Yeah. Well, if hey, if that's freeing up money, it, I would love to see some sort of I want the pressure alleviated off of Americans health wise mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to there's a, an anxiety to not having health insurance oh, there's yeah. an anxiety to knowing that if you could get sick tomorrow almost everything could be gone yeah. like everything that you've worked for could be gone and that's terrifying so yeah I mean how many I, I personally I've heard a lot of stories of other Americans um, letting health issues just pile up until there's something big enough where they have to go. That way, when they go to the doctor, they don't have to go six or seven di- different times. They can just go once and then list everything that's wrong with them and get it done for the cost of just that one visit. Right. They don't have to pay for multiple visits. And I've done that myself. Like, I don't, like, it's really scary because, like, maybe there is certain things that. I should get checked every once in a while. Or there's other people who have a pain that ends up being something serious. They didn't get checked because I don't have health insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that gets even worse when like you're going to have a kid. If you're pregnant, that's not a time to like really mess around and try to save money. Right. The, the thing that we collectively should be caring about is just making sure that the person that's pregnant is going to be okay. Exactly. Have the baby fine. And they shouldn't be worried. They shouldn't have these anxieties of like, this baby's going to cost me thousands of dollars just to give birth to and have, stay in the hospital. Especially when you don't have that much. Right. Like, there are a lot of programs that help subsidize uh, pregnancies. Like, the government will just help pay for your the cost of uh, staying at the hospital. Any kind of... Um, postnatal care the baby needs anything like that they'll take on some of the cost but like there's a lot of places that just either get um underfunding because of the neighborhoods that they're in or they get underfunded because they're like in the middle of nowhere and basically don't serve a lot of people so they don't need the money but then like when somebody comes in and has a special need or needs special care then they just don't have the ability to take care of those people it's unfortunate it's really Really unfortunate. I just, I I really do want to come back to what you said. What can we, what's there that we can definitively do? Mm-hmm. And as citizens, I, I know there's still, there's a huge, there's a huge group of people who are advocating for Medicare for All. I know Jimmy Dore is always um, one of the biggest advocates. You got a lot of people from both sides, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that that's the, one of the best options that's available to us now? I think that uh, I think our politicians are really old and they have no idea how to incorporate new technologies in ways that could help solve certain issues. Mm. I think that the government can literally just make money if they want. They have the resources to hire people who work in the tech field to build algorithms that could sort through different medical documentation much faster than any actual hospital can. Mm. A lot of hospitals already do have internal algorithms that like help them like figure out like, Oh, do we keep this person? Do we send them somewhere else? How much are we going to make based on this and this? Why 
it, does it seem so impossible that we can't just everyone just go to a hospital when you get sick and we could have in some sort of automated system that could help figure out like um, how that money would need to move around. Cause it's, it's a lot of money in a really big area of land. America's massive. So like actually distributing the resources to the hospitals that need them when they need them. If everyone can just go to a hospital when they want, right? A lot of people right now are going to go to a hospital, like go, it's time to go to the doctor. If it suddenly becomes free, there's no reason to wait anymore, really. Exactly. And it would be like, there'd be a lot of early issues like that. But I think there's ways of somewhat automating certain parts of this process to reduce the cost beyond what they used to be in the past. The NHS in Britain has been around for what? 60, 70 years. Um, and when they first started having free medical care, it wasn't the best because there that's when they were like typing things up. A lot of stuff was like handwritten and had to be moved around by hand. Right. Be sent through the mail. Like, Oh, I have a doctor's referral. That can just be sent automatically by a robot and by some sort of algorithm at this point. Like we don't need to put so much cost into a lot of like the infrastructure and overhead. And I think that that honestly, I don't understand why we haven't started looking at trying to figure out, well, if we do all want healthcare, how can we afford it? And I guess that's what I'm suggesting is just one way that we might be able to reduce costs. There won't be there won't be the need for so many individual workers working in insurance and billing and talking to other hospitals that you might need to be transferred to because your insurance doesn't cover this hospital right. and stuff like that. All those people's jobs would disappear. They would that hundreds of thousands of dollars per hospital saved immediately. Right. Well, like people that might lose their job in the insurance industry we could try to find like some new way that they would be able to function within the newer system that we move into. Um, but I just think like it's, I'm worried that we're accidentally creating an extremely cruel system by not trying to provide people with healthcare by just letting people struggle and die on their own. Yeah. I could never advocate for that in a structured society. Like you would hope that health would be something that you should be almost guaranteed. Yeah. Here. Um, but I think that there's a lot of policies that we could possibly could advocate for. I know that actually, surprisingly, um, young Republicans are much more pro Medicare for all than older Republicans. You know, like there is this thought that a lot of people on the right that are older, they want small government. Um, they claim they want small government and they really don't want government overspending. Some of the stuff that they say are part of their core values, but young Republicans are taking a very different view on that. Um, they're also changing on climate change. A lot of young Republicans apparently also believe that it's man-made at this point. But they want, like, action. Like, right. I think that everyone who's younger than me and you, Gen Z, um, they've seen politicians sit around for the last four, eight, 12 years. So much inaction at this point. It's maddening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's studies that show that um, we are actually slowing down every single year the amount of bills that pass. 
every year for the last like 60 years it's been getting worse and worse for a long time it's amazing honestly because i i hate to to make a joke of it but the fact is when i was younger i had the i i really had believed that congress was literally put in place just to make obstruction just to obstruct each other the whole time yeah that's what it feels like a lot of the time man so like why i don't Exactly. And why don't we like change it? We have the power to change it. So I think what there's a there's a lot of thought that has gone into that subject. Um I guess I don't know if I can that's a lot. I know, I'm sorry. Why we don't do anything? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people there's more people that voted in the last election by like millions and millions than the right. one between Trump and Hillary. Um I mean, Trump got more votes in this most recent election than the one against Hillary, and he still lost. The time right. millions and millions of people additionally voted. So it seems like there is some sort of action, but now it just falls onto the people that we elected to actually do something. Right. And I was talking to you earlier, I don't even know if like Biden is going to make it through this term. He's a very old man. Um, he's one of the oldest we have had i think right and certainly we're not wishing any no anything like that no this is not legally actionable uh, right. <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> against him no no the um i um but like he's just an old man like right. people like uh, like right wingers call him sleepy joe because yeah he looks like he needs a nap in the middle of the day he looks like my grandpa i worry for him yeah look i i wish that he could do something but i un like i kind of almost get why not a lot is happening. Right. I don't think he's going to do a 180 on the drug policies that he himself put into place. Of course not. During the war on drugs. He's never... Why would we even believe he would? Yeah. I mean, he says that he wants to make things better for climate change, and then he, but he's doing the bare minimum. Right. And like, I, what I'm saying is like, a lot of that, man, it kind of adds up. He's an old dude who like has... how Who knows how much time left? Right. And yeah like he's just powering down he's getting too old like but and it, i'm like it's also kind of like on the the house and the senate like joe manchin right. holding out on almost every significant vote Lord have mercy. like i know you have to rewin your seat again you got to do what people that voted for you want right you're literally killing us man <laughs> we need we need health care we need action on climate change we need like a bunch of different reforms and we're getting next to nothing and political like power right his political points right now are it's terrifying how much control he kind of has in yeah. his pocket and i think that uh, i've been to a lot of protests i've been um to um different um what they be called? Uh, do you are, are you familiar with uh, the concept of building dual power? No. Could you explain? Sure. So building dual power is when you try to build up something that basically can do what the state claims that it does. So um, the Black Panthers did this, for example. They just fed people in the morning, like bring your kids, we'll feed them for free. Mm. Things like that. Mm. You need medical care, we'll just give it for you. We'll find someone who can provide it for you and give it to you for free. And that, like, I've tried to engage with things like that. Um, and there's a lot of really good organizations like uh, the PSL, People's Socialist uh, League, 
or um, Antifa tries to do some of this work sometimes when they're not directly engaging in protest. They'll try to create what they call a block. And block is basically just a group of people who gives people what they need. You need medical care, you need food, you need shelter temporarily. They go to people who are homeless and try to like give things like that. And that's like great. Like I th- I think that work is really really necessary, but there's the the organizing that would be needed to help everyone is so massive that I'm like I only think the government can do it because the government has all this infrastructure pre-built. Has government agencies, every state, every county, it has this wide-ranging like data network where it knows everything that's going on in mm-hmm. pretty much every part of the country. Um, why, why won't it actually take on the, the, the burden of providing people with these things? Cause it has all that it needs to build this and it just won't. I feel that I, I, I feel that, that the emotion resonates with you because I, I honestly, I can empathize completely with that. And I feel like the government would say, why can't Amazon or uh, Silicon Valley use their power and their way of being able to, like, essentially, they know almost every single American. So why couldn't they be able to help them with that infrastructure and that, like, by contributing more money to it? My my worry is that if you have a profit incentive when you're thinking about health care, right. um, you're going to try to squeeze people for everything that they're worth. And if you're dying, you're going to pay whatever it takes to not die. That's just going to hurt people more when it comes to intergenerational wealth. Your dad, he's dying. Uh, he has to spend 30% of all the money he's spent on medical care in the last three months of life. Right. And people are willing to do that, but then, like, there's nothing left to leave to you, or there's additional debt that you need to take on, or things of that nature. And I'm worried that companies, the the way you do a capitalism good Mm -hmm. is you just make more money every year. But, like, if you're making money off of people getting sick, your profit incentive is for people to get sick. You hope people are suffering. You hope every year that more people are getting ill so that way you can make more money every year. Because ideally, every company just wants to build itself quarter after quarter, year after year. Right. Unfortunately, that, and if those individuals aren't getting sick, then you're not making any money. So Yeah. And I hate the concept of incentivizing health, but that's exactly what the government's going to end up doing. And it's they're they're trying I would assume that in every way they would cut the corner as long as it would save a buck. And that's something that I fear. Yeah. As well. I, but I mean but I mean that's been a thing that they've been trying to do for a long time is if people can take care of themselves, then we don't need to take care of them. Which yes, that's true. But then the way they incentivize it is like Michelle Obama is like tell your kids to go outside and play more. That's not going to deal with a lot of the other structural issues. Like, yes, obesity is rising, but like, Flint still doesn't have clean water. 
going outside and playing isn't going to f- solve any health problems that you get from lead. Like it's not going to solve any of the health problems that you get at like the end of your life when you develop like Parkinson's or a neurological condition or a heart condition just from getting old. Like you can't like go outside and exercise your way out of dying eventually. And it just costs so, so much to die that I think that these programs that the government does try to incentivize people with are really missing the point. Like, yeah, maybe we should do something about obesity. Right. Probably have to regulate the food industry a little bit because they're the ones that pushed for, like, more sugar in food. When they, like, the whole no-fat <laughs> the thing. The thing types of sugars, too, as well. Like, the way that they they choose what type of addictive part, uh, things that they put in our food. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. There's So, I, don't, I didn't know this was a thing, um, just as a small tangent. Mm-hmm. Um one of my teachers had told me that at some academic get together, he had met this guy who was a food scientist and he worked for Kraft. Right. And his job was to, over the course of about 20 years, slowly change the ingredients in the food. So every time he changed it, it tasted just similar enough where you couldn't tell, but they would save money over those 20 years because they could start using different ingredients. Right. And the, the taste change is so gradual that by the time you actually get to the end product, it tastes completely different than the original. Holy but shit. they sell it for the same price or possibly more because of inflation, but they make it for less wow. because of the ingredients they're using in the base product. <laughs> and I had no idea that there was things like that. You're like You're completely right. There is a bunch of food manipulation that goes into this. I guess that does tie into healthcare too. Oh yeah, because if especially if the government is making money off, or if the government subsidies are funding a lot of these aspects of like of whatever milk or whatever cheese we're eating, I'm I'm almost sure that that plays a part into whatever money that's going in to our healthcare because you're going to be. If it's making me sicker, then the government's going to pay for that too, right? Yeah. So. I mean, you live near a community that uh, they allow fracking in. Right. You're going to have higher chances of cancer. Um, you live in a food desert where you're in a rural area that's very far from any kind of food. You're going to go to whatever's closest and cheapest, which it means, on average, it's going to be fast food. Right. If you live 30 minutes away from the grocery store and 15 minutes away from McDonald's, it's just easier to go to McDonald's. Yeah. And so people have higher rates of obesity in food deserts. Um, there's a lot of environmental factors that are just going to make your health worse over time. Um, and we could try to fix those things too. I don't think you can just focus on one thing at a time. Um, but I think like the fastest way to getting to fix those things is just to like take care of the people who have gotten sick from them. And then be like, okay, we don't got to worry about the people who are getting sick anymore. We got that under control. We got more room to take care of other things now. We don't have to focus on that. We can just set it up and let it go. And um, I guess I, I also wanted to talk to you about how we fund it. Because obviously that's a big thing. Um, a lot of people, and I, I don't know if this is controversial to you, um, really want to tax the rich more. Right. I, I understand. I was wondering your thoughts on funding it through that way. Just, so are we speaking about a flat tax? Or are we talking about? Well, it'd probably be progressive because, you know, every so many dollars, 
um, that you make, the next so many dollars are taxed at a higher percentage. Like, let's say you make up to $40,000, and that's taxed at like 20, 30%. And then from $41,000 to $100,000, that's taxed at like 50%. 50%? I'm just making oh, up numbers. Okay, I get it. I'm just saying it would step up, and you oh. only pay 50% of that next portion you don't pay 50 percent for the, all of your money okay you pay 40 percent up to this point and then the next point you pay 50 percent on some people want uh the max percentage uh cap to be 100 percent at enough wealth like after 12 million dollars you literally give everything you make back to the government i think that is an unsellable position right i do not think that you can actively convince enough people for that to ever happen but we did have at one point, our highest uh, tax uh, rate uh, for people making millions and millions of dollars was 90%. And this was after the Great Depression, which funded the New Deal, right. which revitalized America and got us out of the Depression. So it seems like if you tax rich people enough, you have the money to provide for everyone. Right. And especially considering like what the standard billionaire is making today, like... Is I, I'm always tempted by the the argument tax the rich, but you know me, <laughs> nine times out of ten, I'm like most of these like not not just to say left leaning, but more socialistic principles are. I I I find myself having trouble with it, mm. and the only reason I tro I have trouble with it is because. I always think that it's going to end up, we don't know when to stop. And I hope that in this case, like the Jeff Bezos going to the moon thing is just like, okay, we're definitely not taxing Amazon at all. So why does he have enough money to go to the moon? Does that mean that it's a first world? Like, I, I think that like, but we can't pay, he could pay for, a great portion of individuals like healthcare in the United States, couldn't he? Jeff Bezos alone could end world hunger, homelessness in America, and I think he could pay off. Uh, yeah, he could possibly pay for a portion after he spends all that money on those two things. He could <laughs> still pay for a portion of a good deal's people's health insurance. Hmm. And every day he just wakes up and is like, I'm going to just go to the moon instead. Like, I'm making this planet unlivable. Like, it, I think it's like um, 100 companies pr produce about 70% of all climate emissions in America alone. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a lot of rich people are like, yeah, things are getting really unlivable here. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm just going to take my money and leave. Yeah. I'm sure that's great for the economy, right? Yeah. But here, I was. Uh, I, I just looked up how much Jeff Bezos makes an hour. Uh he makes $390 an hour <laughs> and that's not on any of his assets. That's his base pay from Amazon, which is six and a half dollars a minute. Incredible. That's there's people who make only a dollar more than that an hour. Sheesh, man. And the thing is like, because of effective uh, tax rates, we found out there was that leak um, about a month or two ago that the richest hundred people in America pay an effective tax rate, which is just like after all their, 
reductions and the things they get to save on and all their tax specialist doing all like the money magic for them. Right. What is the actual percent of the whole money they made for the year that they actually have to pay? That's the effective tax rate. So it's after all of your deductions and stuff, just what percentage of your money. The effective tax rate for the richest hundred people, every single one of them had an effective tax rate that was below 1% of all money made for the whole year. Why am I, why does that not surprise me? It's not. I think we all know this. Right. And the thing is, those people aren't going to get in trouble. But the but the fucking FBI is going after the people who leaked that information. Right. <laughs> the leakers. Get the leakers. Like, if you <laughs> expose the truth. <laughs> yeah, you'll get fucking killed. Like, people yeah. that expose the Panama Papers, yeah. car bomb. Like, yeah. It's not fair. It's not. It's, it's completely fucked up. And I guess, like... It, the people that I started with, like black women, are some of the most, in some ways, vulnerable economically. Um, they're more vulnerable to, I don't know, all sorts of social ills because there's the confluence and the cross section of both being a woman and being black at the same time. Right. And if we can't take care of just some of the people that we should be looking out for, what does that say about our society? It's, it's grim, honestly. It's it's a grim. If if we were to just take that at face value, it's a grim outlook, honestly. And I just, I I really do pray that we could find a way, because I I can't argue with you when you lay out Medicare for all just like you did. I that's a it's very convincing to me, and I would love for Biden because right now Biden could actually say we want to do Medicare for all and it can actually go through. Like, yeah, I mean, he could theoretically um, do a lot through executive orders. Exactly. The bad thing is executive orders can just be overturned by the next president. It's a lot harder to overturn like a bill that passes through, you know, all the branches um, and then gets codified into law. It's a lot harder to overturn an executive order. All it takes is the next president just being like, I done, that's yeah. done. And it just stops. <laughs> right. So the, I guess the, the worry is like, yeah, he could make it happen right now on his own without the approval of like Congress. But does that just mean like the next time a right winger gets elected that we just lose our health care? Well, now if he wants to win the next primary and Americans were actually behind it I, while it was in. Right? Yeah. Logistically, I don't think somebody would do that because it would be so unpopular. Um, but I don't want my health care to be that, like, flimsy. tenuous. Yeah, <laughs> flimsy. Like, I, it, it's it's just a scary position. I know. But considering where we're at now, and it's almost like I don't think there's any. I hate to say there's no chance, but I haven't heard uh, the squad or anybody, like, still like pushing for it as much as they were before. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I don't see how it gets passed without Biden or without Kamala or somebody stepping up and saying that this is actually something that they would support. Yeah. It's, um, it's just like the most milk toast, watery, inoffensive policies that they're going after. Like stuff that's like fine. But ultimately, like, it's not enough. Yeah. I can't imagine, like, how they would do in the midterms if they just got rid of student debt. Like, if Biden just, like, did an executive order that's just, like, 
student debt is gone. Right. I don't think you can reverse that. I'm not sure. Like with another executive disorder, I'm not sure how laws about debt work, but I can't imagine how popular that would be because student debt is the second biggest form of debt we have after medical. Like it's in the trillions, I think. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it like... I can't even conceptualize what a trillion of an object looks like. <laughs> right. It's just a big pile. Like in like when I try to imagine, imagine in my head, like I can, I can imagine one chair. I can imagine like five chairs. Right. I try to think of the image of a trillion chairs. I wouldn't even know like that amount of money. Right. I can't even imagine literally. And but like I can't like these are like super easy slam dunks. I think even of just like homelessness, something that is. Pretty unpo- like it's not very partisan, right? Um, in some ways, um, the there was I believe it was Idaho a few years ago. Um, just gave people houses, gave them jobs, set them up with medical experts for any kind of mental illness, and um, they're like, "You're just gonna pay us back in a few years, um, as long as you stay with the job and you don't become homeless again. You just pay us back for the house, and the house becomes yours." They only had. Out of everyone that they set up with a house, only 20% became homeless again. And wow. they did the math and figured that in the long term, that saved the state on their homelessness programs. They don't need to put as much into shelters. They don't need to put into much into like getting food to those shelters or blankets or anything like that. They, and then if the when the houses get repaid by the people that they gave them to, they, ultimately they paid nothing, really. They, I guess they paid for like the person that prescribed them drugs. But right. Um, that's only for like a few years until the person starts paying back the house too, and then pays for everything else on their own from both angles. That's a super easy win. If you care about like government spending, the government's going to spend left if less, if you just care about it on like a kind of like bleeding heart, liberal, like human suffering should be ended in every way we can. It's a win there. It's the most like easy win in the world. They're not even doing like these easy W's like that. Yeah. And I would have so thought. I would have thought after the the wave that we saw in the election, and and it seemed like people were dancing in the streets. Like they would have come out with so many policies. Like, yeah, we're gonna get rid of all of these executive orders from Trump. That's a given. Mm. But on top of that, we have this. We have that. We have this. There were so many policies that I I remember going through. Um, Biden's website and like reading some of the policies he said mm-hmm. and like his African-American plan and he had a plan for Latinos individuals who were uh, the dreamers there were so many things and it's just underwhelming it is the, 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 the Republicans when they're in power they really like pushing for exactly what they want and when the Democrats are in power they really love squandering all of their power <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's really true, man. It's sad because I I want them to, I want them to wield it, wield it the way the other side is able to. But I, I think that there's too much civility politics. Just like, oh, we'll be the bigger person and we'll be nice. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care if you're nice. I don't give a shit. Pass some laws. Pass the law. (laughs) Like that's, I mean. It's so true, man. Like, yeah, and seriously, ultimately, like, if they don't, it just keeps making things worse for people who need it the most. I mean, right. especially just like when I was talking about homeless people. If you are the cross section of, I don't know, you're homeless and disabled, 
mentally ill, you don't got health insurance. Right. But you need it the most. Absolutely. Certainly. Yeah. And like it, I think it's just something really sad that we have so much money that we can allocate to um, the military, to um, keeping kids in cages, to some stuff that some might say is morally dubious. Right. Um, Selling weapons and all of that. Yeah. I mean, we could... We earlier we were talking about um before we started recording about legalizing weed. Um the one of the biggest ways that the cartels get their funding is from people buying the weed from them or buying cocaine from them because they can't buy it here in America. If you could just buy that at a dispensary that's near you, that completely dries up huge portions of very disastrous individuals and groups, revenue right. sources. Like, these people do, in some places, have very strong strangleholds on the communities that they're part of, and part of that stranglehold comes through with violence. Um, that's how they assert themselves and keep that control. If you, we just, like, made a, some drugs legal and you could just buy them, like, right. down the street, that's millions and millions a year that, that, that these potentially dangerous people would no longer be receiving. Right. Um there's just so many easy wins and it would make people's lives a lot better. It's, it's unfortunate that a lot of times the most simplest answers are not even answers that are thought about by those in power. Yeah. I think, um, it, part of it is just because like a lot of them are real old white men they got no idea what it's like for a lot of other people. I feel like if I ever saw, like, um, I don't know, who's the oldest member of Congress? If I saw, like, uh, Mitch McConnell Mitch. using a Nintendo Switch, I think I would fucking shit my pants. <laughs> I just don't think he can do that. I don't think right. he understands how technology works on that kind of level. And I think that that kind of plays into a lot of policy. Like, do you remember when like Cambridge Analytica happened? Like the Facebook scandal thing that right. Mark Zuckerberg had to go in front of Congress. There was people in Congress that were just like asking the most basic questions. It was about so this. stupid. And I'm like, holy fuck. None of them know exactly what's <laughs> like. The world is outpacing them so fast. There's no way our laws can catch up. We need younger people in <laughs> like in these positions of power. Right. That's why I like that there's like, I, I, there's a lot more younger people running for like local positions than ideally they'll work their way up right now than there was eight years ago, which I think is a really good thing. I think young people know what is going on way better than a lot of older people. I mean, um, I think it's a good and bad thing. I think young people are really plugged in through social media. Mm -hmm. I think there's some issues with that, but I think that one of the good things to get out of that is they figure out the news faster than anyone. I knew, like, um, I think it was um, last summer with George Floyd. Right. I knew that it had happened maybe like forty minutes, an hour, because I would just I was on Twitter at the time. I knew it very quickly after it happened. And my mom, like a few days later, was like, "Oh, I saw this on the news. Did you hear about this?" And I'm like, "Yes." Right. And I think that's just one small instance of it. But I think there's these much larger things about how the internet and 
it kind of functions, how we interact with it and how we interact with each other on it. Right. That a lot of these older people just don't understand. They are completely lost on it. And I think that's part of it. It's just like there's perspective. Like they don't think about the homeless because they never have to worry about that. They don't think about like black women because like a lot of them are white men. They don't think about like what it would be like to live that life or like to have to have any of the worries that other people might have. Exactly. And it's, it's they don't even see them as their constituents in some cases. Like they, they're so far removed from the average American that I I don't even know if that they can like really empathize at that point, especially when they're at this age. Like what you're thinking about isn't for the next 20 years in the future. You're probably thinking about the next five, if that. Like, yeah, because a lot of these people are just so old. They're going to be closing their coffin within that time. Right. Like they're not going to like. I don't think that we should do this. I've heard some people advocate for a maximum voting age since there's a minimum. And I'm, I'm a little worried about like completely taking that right away. Right. People. I, I think it's better when more people can vote. Um, but like people are like, they don't have as much vested interest as us. So maybe we should have a maximum voting age, a maximum serving age, like you serving have, age. I'm 100% that. Yeah. That I would agree on. Like, I think you you got to retire by, like, 65, man. I don't know a single person who's super keyed into, like, the current reality of the world that's over 70. A bit of irony and trivia for you. Hmm. The oldest member of our Congress is Don Young. Last <laughs> name, Young. 87 years old. He's 87? Yes, sir. So, he's 87. So, he was... He lived through a lot. Vietnam, the civil rights era. Yeah. Um, He's seen it all. That guy was probably in school when segregation was a thing. That's insane. Terrifying, isn't it? It yeah. seems like uh, on the subject of people not representing us in like the way that we would. I guess like. I don't think anyone's surprised. No. Just because of how much money is in our politics? Exactly. <laughs> and you could stay in Congress as long as you have yeah. enough money to fund an infinite campaign. Yeah, exactly. Like, think about it like this. If one of your biggest donators is going to get some of their money taken away from them in order to pay for the health care of a pregnant black woman, they're just going to pay more so they don't have to do that. They're right. just going to give the congressperson like more money and be like, yeah, don't fucking do that. Don't pass that law. <laughs> Jeez. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of insidious, but like that's, the, that's the point of like a business is you make more money every year. You don't stop making money until you have, I guess, all money. I guess that's the end point of yeah. a business is if you <laughs> control all money and you've monopolized every single industry. That's the game plan, usually. Amazon's trying hard to do that. I mean, they're, they're trying really hard. I wonder if they're going to get smashed up. I wonder if they're getting too big and control too much. Because I know AOC has talked about potentially using monopoly laws against them. Um, but I guess it would be... Um, they're called... Um, there's a term for... this called monopsony. It's like a monopoly, but we're a monopoly owns every single business that can makes the same product. Mm -hmm. A monopsony owns all the means that you would need to distribute the product. You mm. can't distribute except through them. 
instead of like you can only buy their product, you can only sell your product through them. Wow. Um, and Amazon controls like 70% of the online retail marketplace. Oh, yeah. It's a crazy amount. And so they might get broken up. But like if you're Jeff Bezos, you don't want to be paying for someone's fucking health insurance. You want to go to space. Right. You're going to you're going to try to escape what you see as like a dying planet because that dude talks about climate change a lot. So right. it seems like he really thinks the planet's dying. His solution is to fuck off to space and not care about anyone else. <laughs> right. He's like, he, um, did you hear the story about how Amazon was named? No. Like, uh, originally he wanted to call it Relentless. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> Can you believe that? That's, I, I mean, it would be more it's honest. Apt. Yeah, it's really apt. I, I really, and apparently he was talked down from the ledge about that. Because, mm. you know, who would buy, uh, I wouldn't buy my books from Relentless. Would, I, no. I wouldn't have, so. It sounds like a record company. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a bookstore. Yeah, like. It really does. Yeah. Easy and Ice Cube with Relentless. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I, they need to be taxed, man. They just do. It's simple as that. I think at the very least, we need to take loopholes dead serious and close them. Like, that's how a lot of people don't pay their taxes. Just like, mm. I'll send it to the Cam- some island. I'll send it to Panama. I'll send it to like just somewhere where it won't be taxed make that illegal <laughs> it's 15 ways through sunday that they'll find to try to get out of paying their taxes but i don't know if they even want to make it illegal i i i think you're right i don't know it's, look there, there's people like aoc who i can really tell yeah she wants to make this stop but then there's a lot of people who seem like they you're right they don't give a shit yeah they like and i'm using like a lot of more just using all of these methods like i'm not gonna stop what's getting me to back like and unfortunately that's when it's time for like a sweep of congress when you start to see everybody that you look at is like corrupt or is they have like stocks and they're they're doing like insider trading and stuff mm-hmm. at that point it's time to just say hey all of you guys, like, it's time to vote you out. But the thing that pisses me off is just, just like, voting happens so infrequently. Yeah. I have to wait four years to see if we get something better than Biden. Right. And I don't even know if the Democrats will run anyone against their incumbent. Because he look, he already won once. Why not just run him again? That's what they normally do. Right. But, like, I don't even know if there's a chance at a better future. And, like, I think... One of the better things that you can do is try to get involved with people who are trying to create dual power. People who are just like gathering medical supplies and then just taking them to people who need them. Um, trying to find homeless people in the area, asking them, do you need food? And if they do, you give them food. If they need medicine, you give them medicine. Things like that. Like I think that like that's admirable. More people should do it. If you can't, it's understandable. I don't. I don't think it's like a moral necessity. I don't, I'm not going to tell everyone who's working forty hours a week they should go out and do this. Right. I think that those who can um, should try it, but um, it it really sometimes it it just doesn't feel like enough. Right. Um. It just feels a little inadequate. Like we're just going to sit around and wait for the. Democrats to maybe do something. We we pray and we hope and we wish that 
inaction will stop and we'll get something better tomorrow. Yeah, I know. And I, I really hope that they do come through. Um, but in the meantime, there are people who actively want to like dismantle democracy. <laughs> yeah. We had the um, Capitol riot on the 6th of uh, January. Just ignorance. There's, yeah, there's still people who think that uh, Trump will take office, that Biden will be prosecuted Hilarious. for what they believe to be a coup and like him stealing power. And I don't like it seems like um, we're there's so much going on simultaneously because like, yeah, I can worry about like my friend who got pregnant. Right. But then that leads to like, OK, but what about the system? Well, how do we fund the system? OK, what is the system up against? Right. And it's all happening all at once. And it feels like a lot. It is a lot, man. It's troubling times right now. Yeah. And unfortunately with, and considering that I know people are saying we're coming out of a pandemic, but we are currently still in a pandemic. And I I really want people to continue to stay safe. But with that as like a background, with everything that's happening, the economy is changing rapidly. There's, we just got out of Afghanistan. There's mm-hmm. people who I know for a fact are just like stressed because work, like it seems like work has gotten harder progressively on everybody and it's more difficult and there's more stress. But I really just want us all to just like breathe and because it's so much. It's just so much. And if we take it one day at a time, hopefully we can work together and find routes to make an actual change. Yeah. I think um, the easiest thing you can do, if you're someone who's young and has any idea about politics at all, you should run for something local. Because those votes are decided by like 12 votes. There's only like 100 people vote at all. (laughs) Like you can can win local elections way more easily than you think. Um, if you, shit, if you just know enough people, you could probably win a local election. I think like the mayor of my town in the last election won by like 36 votes. Wow. It's like no one votes for the mayor. No one cares about the mayor, but like you could actually start to do things and try to actively change policy, at least for right where you live. Right. Um, I think people should definitely try that out. Um, I think it's the only way that we can really move forward. I think once people that are like, like us millennials, Gen Z, when they start actually moving into office at the like federal level, yeah, I'm sure we'll see a lot of stuff real fast. I'm certain of it because we're tired already. I know it's exhausting. Like, I don't think our generation gives as much of a fuck about just holding power as these old decrepit men do. Right. I think that they are like, we built up some sort of power, some sort of money, something. And we just want to keep having that. And I think a lot of younger people are like, I just want something better. Right. I just want the world to be a little bit better. Can we do that? Yeah. Can we please at least try? I think that's why like, that's, I think it's really interesting and honestly hopeful that like young Republicans 
are more progressive on climate change. They're more progressive on like LGBTQ issues. They're more progressive on uh, Medicare. It seems like once these people get to office, super easy to like pass these things that they want. Right. It's either that or there's just going to we're going to continue to get these obstructionists who just care about getting more money and getting reelected. It's crazy, man. Those are the individuals that. I feel like our system should have had a way of like identifying and being able to warn the public about. But it seems like they have every single benefactor in their favor. Mm-hmm. Like the media will will completely um, advocate for a certain person, knowing that they're tied in with the same people who are their sponsors and such. And it's just, but um, in a way, they have to, right? Like, right. If, if you were a news anchor and you got on, if you got on TV and I, I don't know, you said like, um, capitalism is killing the world and the only way forward is communism. Right. Either you're going to get fired. Yeah. Even if you said it in a very nice way, it's, you're going to get fired or your uh, station's going to lose funding and then you're just going to get fired anyways because yeah. <laughs> the place is going to go bankrupt. There's a certain set of things even if they are interesting or things we should talk about, we can't through traditional media. Right. You get on Twitter, there's plenty of people who are like, fuck the police, like ACAB, and they can say that shit. They, I, I saw my mom was watching the news, and um, they were talking about one of the um, protests against police brutality last summer. And they were talking about um, how a lot of the uh, protesters were chanting things and they had to say it like they were saying things like F the police and like they they can't even just present certain realities on the ground. Right. Um, Let alone advocate for certain things. I think like the news, I I don't know a single news source that's actually advocated or even had like some sort of debate in good faith about like reallocating police funds to different departments for different things. They um, would never do that because then that would completely destroy the narrative that yeah. they've created. So Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not taking a stance on what we should do about that issue. I'm just saying right. there's certain things that can't even be talked about because you lose sponsorships. There's people that will pull their ads during your commercial breaks. And you just have to like play the game if you want to keep surviving in that system. And I don't think... And one time, one thing that I realized is that the game is stopping us from actually being able to accomplish something. Yeah. And I hate that. I really hate that. I My mom, during the George Floyd protest, she was one of those people, right after like some of the news broke and she was talking to me about it, she was like, why are people saying Black Lives Matter? All lives matter. Of course Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, okay, mom, we got to talk. And I was right. like, white lives matter is a disinfo campaign that was actually started by racist people on 4chan intentionally to try to mislead the conversation, showing her all the evidence, and then just showing her video after video after video in like a 400-video-long Twitter thread of cops assaulting people that weren't doing anything violent. Right. It, it, it There really is this kind of disconnection from certain aspects of reality because you're right it is misleading they can't show certain things and their sponsors have vested interest in them not showing and talking about certain things and so the only way that we can like get that is through i guess social media and each other the people that are actually on the ground right 
Unfortunately. Well, actually, I think the fact that we're able to do that and that because of social media, we are connected. We can actually find a way to feel not only more um, empathetically connected, but be able to just have humanity with one another. And the fact that you that story that you just said about your mom and how you were able to almost educate her in a way yeah. that would not be possible without the era that we're in. I so. mean, I guess in part, it's just um, it's it is the the news organizations and how they're structured and how they're financially reliant on certain individuals. Um, it's also just like older people sometimes reality online has changed a lot of things right um my mom i just explained like the origins of like um white lives matter i had to explain to her what 4chan is like i have to explain these like esoteric websites that for a lot of us we grew up with in some way or another at least knew the existence of right tumblr twitter 4chan um there's these like big websites that a lot of us knew when we were younger and um they have no idea that those exist. Older people don't have any idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I would, how do you explain like the anti-Semitism of the political board on 4chan to somebody who doesn't know how to Google something? I, you can't. It's like trying to teach someone to do a mirror found before they could crawl. Yeah. So. And I think that that that's part of also like, news segments are very like the nine o'clock news. It's very quick. Every single like segments, like 30 seconds to two minutes. They don't have a whole lot of time right. where if I want to explain these under like these deep political realms that are all digital, that's not something I can do that fast. Right. And I wonder if it's also just the structure of the shows, you know, like 60 minutes, maybe they could do a piece on like explaining the radicalization of like the alt right through some website um, online and they can explain some of the history of it and how it grew. They can't do that in like a minute and a half on like ABC at 5 PM. Right. Like it's just not going to happen. And I wonder if that's part of the issue too, is that like, I mean, that's why I also want younger people in politics is just because like there are aspects of reality that exist now that didn't exist before 2000 that change a lot of things. And people that are really old just don't understand that. Right. And I mean, it's not that we blame them. It's just yeah. It's just the era. Man. Oh no, shit, man! And the <laughs> yeah, when me and you are like eighty, I'm, if we ever have like grandkids, mm. they're gonna be explaining how like their brain chip works. Like they're gonna there's gonna be tech that's so far beyond us that we have, we have no idea how to like comprehend it. I don't think mm -hmm. I don't think it's a judgment call. It's just like you didn't grow up with it, right? And essentially. It's just, I, I've noticed that with, like, my younger cousins, they are absolutely incredible with tech. Mm. And they're showing me stuff, like, this TikTok thing. I I had no idea, like, TikTok was as big as it was. Like, the amount of eyes that are on that platform on a daily basis is yeah. ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I think that, um, you know, me and you grew up alongside the internet. Right. We were growing as the internet was growing. They get to grow up in a, a in where like there was never a time before it. Right, it is part of reality permanently. <laughs> exactly, it wasn't like a new shiny thing that we all had to figure out. It's like a 
a permanent fixture of life for right. them. And so, like, I mean, there's senators who I, I don't even know if they know how to tweet. I don't know if they know what a t- tweet is. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the most basic entry level parts of the Internet. Um, that's normally the one, one of the things that a lot of people discover very quickly. But I mean, I guess like when you, I guess I, I'm just saying it's it's not a surprise that either they're too disconnected to understand or they got too much money coming in to care. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people who are also vested, like the media, who are vested in, in some ways, disinforming people. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, you see that everywhere, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And almost every station now is starting to get sickening because obviously they're going to push for whatever their agenda is. Mm. And I un- we should understand that coming into whatever channel we turn on. Like, well, th- what is their agenda? Who are they tied in with? What pharmaceutical companies, all of that. But where the- there's just the journalists, the lack of journalism sometimes is just scary to me. Yeah. I think that there are some... Um People who do good journalism. The, the the danger is if you do journalism too well, you get killed. Exactly. And that shouldn't... I wish that wasn't in a place that so fragrantly screams land of the free and a genuine, a jingoistic term. Like, we'll scream it, but you're going to attack the people who are telling you what the government is doing. Yeah. Like, and the government is so... <laughs> Easily, they they easily take those individuals out and laugh at us if somebody tries to make a fuss about it. So yeah, I mean, if you're a whistleblower, you're a bad person, according to anyone in power. Look, if you're a threat to power, you're wrong. Right. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing if you're threatening power in the eyes of power, at least. Right. Um, and so like. Yeah, I guess, like, to a certain extent, why would the government want to give us any of this stuff? Why would they want us to be healthy? Why would they want us to be, like, well off? Right. Because, like, we won't need them as much. Exactly. That's one of the things about the Black Panthers when um, they started um, when they started actively feeding people, giving people medicine and things in their early days. That's when the FBI was like, we need to shut them down. Right. We don't want people relying on anyone but us. Exactly. That's important. We need to be seen as the only legitimate power structure. There cannot be a second dueling power structure with us. No matter how small it is, no matter how easily we could crush it, it's not legitimate. We are the only legitimate ones. And if the people are advocating for this utter power, it must be destroyed. So, yeah. I mean... Otherwise, it threatened. It's threatened that like the power structure is threatened, and power doesn't deal well with that. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, um, but I guess a lot of this was just to say: Is there anything that you think we can do in the immediate term um, to actually try to help out people who need it, as far as medical care goes, as health insurance goes? One of the only things that I could suggest is to try to do as much research as you can. Because immediately, I I can't, I don't know what policy could actually, like, 
with a stroke of a brush, make sure that everyone is taken care of. But each individual should try to find out as much information as they possibly can from somebody who who's actually well-versed in this type of information. And okay. I would love if there was a, a type of legislation that was able to make sure that everyone was taken care of because I think the, the country should, as a... I don't want to say it's a basic human right to guarantee health insurance, but the the experience of being able to just have a surety that you will be able to be helped if you don't if you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if our country is prepared to do that, but yeah. Um I don't know. I guess all I can yeah, I think that you're right. I guess um, you got to live inside the system you're in yeah. until it changes. Pray for change. So. Yeah, I really do. But um, I think that was pretty much everything. Yeah, thank I appreciate you, Matt. Thank you so much yeah. for this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me come on, man. Of course. It was really nice. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, of course. And thank you guys for listening to the 2KJ Podcast. See you again next time.